especially during quarantine, I think this can be much harder to do is when he needs space and there's like different, we've learned that there's different levels of space and what that means. And so we use planets and the analogy of like NASA of like needing space. So he'll be like, Hey, I just really need some NASA this afternoon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'll hang out at the park, whatever. Yeah. And different planets kind of signify different levels of space. So if I say I need some <laughs> Mars right now, that just means that means we can be in the same room, but I just need my own person. Oh, you are like my specific about your planets and the oh, amount yes. of space too. <laughs> You gotta bring up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. We're thankful for all of our listeners. Wherever you are at, I wanna just wish you a happy fall. Happy fall, y'all, as oh. we say in the South. You know, I remember there was a time when I asked people after living in Atlanta for 15 years when I would be considered Southern. And what'd they say? Never. Really? They, I would never I be Southern. Southern. I feel very Southern. Now you, 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 you I, have faked it and you have made it. I do. Everybody thinks I'm from here. Really? Yes. With my You're Southern Belle? I am. I, I can turn hey, it God. on anytime, anywhere. Literally. All no, my patients, hey. they know. They think I'm from here. I'm sorry, but I've never heard anyone say, Are are you from the South? Expecting I've literally <laughs> never heard that. So Well, my patients think it. So maybe I just turn it on for them. Well, this is a great setup because today we're gonna hear about dating. No, how to walk into a room and be full of yourself. Oh, okay. Which apparently you're not. What? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not Southern. I'm not Southern. Well, how long have we lived here? 17 Uh, years? 17 years. I feel like that is the longest I've lived anywhere in my whole life. Our children are Southern. My children have been born and raised in Georgia. I feel very Southern. Is that your Southern voice? Did you hear it? It's. It's not Southern, it's Southern. Oh my goodness. See? Yeah, we're gonna get you some... I know it. I know the lingo. Why? You know what? Right after this, why don't we go get some bow paint as well? <laughs> People don't know what that is. The rest who of the are world not don't. from the South. The I don't I, I live, We I've didn't li- know what that was. Listen, I've lived here for 17 years. I still don't know what it is, but it's <laughs> on the slimy. side of the road. It's on the side of the road and they're slimy. That's yeah, we know that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> so you're not Southern because of that right there. If there's a lot like of reasons why peanuts, I'm not, you're not Southern. There's a lot of reasons why I'm not Southern. One thing that I have acquired in my Southern status. Yes. Is what? Uh, fried chicken. Definitely. Barbecue. Definitely. And oh, chicken biscuits for breakfast. Definitely. Uh, Chick-fil-A. But I have not acquired sweet tea. No. And I have not acquired grits. Grits. And I have not acquired. This is my motivation. <laughs> you sound like it. Uh, You're is, preaching. This is That's my good. presidential voice. Oh, what else? What's and I other? have not acquired. I think you're preaching. Uh, Yeah, that shifted. it's shifted. What else? Boiled peanuts, vanilla onions, <laughs> and pimento cheese. Here we go. No pimento cheese no for pimento. you. Um, but you do say y'all. Can we get back to the interview? <laughs> 
Okay. What I wanted to say that everybody's about to listen to is that we have a different kind of episode. Very different. We have a dating couple. So we are kind of going into a different kind of conversation. If you are dating, you are looking for somebody, you are thinking about a relationship, or you're not dating, but you want to be in a relationship, I think this is the episode for you. Or, or. You're going to interrupt me. Or if you are in a relationship and you need to be reminded of when you were dating. Yes. Because you need to spark in the old car. Listen, we've been married for so many years. Babe, I'm always trying to date you. Can we go out? Can we go out tonight? No, I'm, listen, you are interrupting me. We have been married this long, many years, 17 years, and I still learned from them today. I totally did. And so I really think that even if you've been married for a really long time, this is still going to be a great episode to listen to. And if you are not married and you're wanting to be married or you're dating, this is an amazing episode as well. And so today we have Sophie and Maher. And Sophie has a podcast called Love Intently. And she has been doing this kind of same work almost as we have interviewing a lot of couples. But her question that she's asking is how do people make love last in our world today? So here we go. We got Sophie and Maher. We actually met on Coffee Meets Bagel and it was kind of a serendipitous match because I was on my last dating app and was about to swear off of them as a total waste of time and just kind of dive into the, you know, my own network of friends and try to go through there for dating. Um, I had deleted the Bumble. I had deleted, I mean, who even had Tinder anymore? Um, (laughs) I, you know, I was deleting all the apps and Sophie was, I kid you not, Sophie was the last match that happened on the day that I planned to just get rid of it. And I said to myself, yeah, why not just uh, send her a message and see, you know, if we hit it off. And if not, I'll just delete it today. And, you know, by that point, I was pretty used to, you know, guys have varying results on those apps. And for me, you know, in Austin, it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of matches that didn't really like conversations would barely get started and then conversations would barely continue. And so I quickly learned that you know, if I was interested in somebody, my goal was not to text back and forth for days. My goal was to get their phone number and then text them on their phone only to set up like a, like a date, um, and do that as quickly as possible within a day or two. And if I didn't do that, I was just going to move on. Um, so with Sophie, it was pretty effortless. Uh, she seemed pretty enthusiastic. She responded. We had some, we had some cool, you know, banter and dad puns going back and forth. Um, and yeah, I said, it was like in December we matched and I just sent her a message and said, uh, why don't you give me your phone number? You know, maybe after the holidays we could meet up and, um, yeah, she responded. Yeah. And my side of it is in 2017. Yeah. In 2017, I had done a whole year of like singleness. I was like not going on dates and like all of this, I'm just going to work on myself. I was really busy with trying to run a startup and raise funding and like all of that. And 
But at the end of the year, my friend kept sending me this book that was like, I really think you should read it. I really think you should read it. And finally, I got an audiobook and was driving to one of my really good friend's weddings. And it was on attachment styles. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so avoidant. And at the end of that year, I remember thinking like, maybe I should just do another year of singleness. This was great to not have to think about it and all of that. And I was like, oh, but I just felt it in my gut. And I knew that the next move towards growth would be to force myself to go on dates and practice being secure. And so thus started this challenge where I made myself go on 12 dates in 2018, um, one per month, which isn't a lot for most people, but it was a lot for me. And ironically, I think around December, I still had like two dates to go on or something. And I was like, just swiping on my parents' house and Maher ended up being one of those profiles that I connected with, but I remember reading his profile immediately being like, this guy is different. There was just something about his profile and the words he used and his intentionality that I knew there was some depth there. Um, so he was actually date number 13. Oh, uh, Yeah. The first one in January, I also had a rule where I was not allowed to ghost anybody. And because our banter was so good and it was just mostly like lighthearted. We sent a lot of like gifts and stuff. It was one that I just was excited and curious about. And he was, but he was like the last one, like the last one I was going to go on a date with. And I was going to delete all of them. Like in 2019, I was like, I am not doing dating apps this year. Um, And so it's ironic that he ended up being number 13 and it worked out. You were both each other's last one. Mm. Yes. My birthday is on the 13th of next month. Is that? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I'm interested a little bit more, Sophie, when you said I wanted to practice being secure in dating. What does that look like? And what did that mean to you? Like, what does that being secure in dating practically mean for women? Yeah. So for me, it was practicing one, showing up fully as myself. I think the question I always ask myself instead of like playing the game of like how long I wait to text him, what do I say? Like all this stuff. My number one rule was how would you text your best friend? Because eventually that is what I want this person to be. Mm. And you don't create that type of relationship by slowly edging into it. You just start showing up fully as yourself. And so for me, it was like, regardless of who it was in front of me and how cool the other person ended up being, I always wanted to give respect to the other person and get to know them, their stories and really give them a chance. And also force myself to practice showing up as myself and also being honest about how I feel. So I learned really quickly. I was way more used to receiving rejection or like way more comfortable with that than I was with giving it. And so that was something I really had to push myself on was being honest with the other person of being like, Hey, you were great. This was a great date, but it, I'm just not feeling that connection. And I think so much of that is because I am an Enneagram too. And there's like the pain of thinking that I'm giving someone else rejection. Mm-hmm. Something that I was just deeply afraid of and didn't feel like it was okay. Um, but that year I grew and learned so much about myself of just like showing up in front of 12 different strangers. Some of them led to second dates and third, but most of them didn't. And I was okay with that, but it was just that practice of being myself voicing how I really feel and also being open to receiving love on the other end. Hmm. That's good. I, uh, 
when when you when you were talking, I was I was thinking about this debate that Andre and I have sometimes, and um, but I I love the the fully true to yourself perspective. I I've listened to your podcast a lot, and something I really appreciate about it is this journey you have been on, and I can even hear it in what you're saying right now. Like, um, so can you can you kind of step back and share? You started this podcast about love and Instagram. I don't know what all fully is included in that, but was that part of that your journey in trying to find yourself and find a relationship for yourself in the because midst of we're, all that? you were single at that time, right? Totally, and I you started so. a relationship podcast. Yes. Okay. It was. <laughs> I had always been deeply interested in human behavior and just how relationships work in general. And I think a lot of that was rooted in, I mean, naturally, I think I'm really drawn to those conversations, but it all started with me wanting to heal my relationship with my parents. And Hmm. that bled into so many, like I just recognized that the patterns I was seeing in my relationship with my parents was like bleeding into professional life and bleeding into romantic, especially and friendships. And it was just something that I didn't want. And I knew there was better and I'd seen it in other people. So this podcast and Love Intently really started from a research project I got to do through grad school where we interviewed like 12 to 15 different families or children of refugees and talked to them about their stories. And I recognized there are so many patterns. And initially all the ideas that we had was with them and their parents, but we recognized that most people were more willing to do the work with a romantic partner versus their parents because there's language barriers and like all these things. But we recognize like if we could get them to do the work because of their partner or in proximity to their partner, that would also empower them to do the work with their parents or whoever else in their life. And Maher, so where were you in this story when you're stepping in? Is this, is love intently already happening? And then you meet and start dating this chick that is doing a whole podcast about relationships. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm stepping into this girl. If I was him, I would have been like Googling her and I'm like, wait, she's like got a, she's doing this thing. Where do I line up in all this? Yeah. How does that feel to you when you find all of this out? Yeah. So this may surprise you, but I actually haven't listened to a full episode of her podcast. I mean, it doesn't actually surprise me. (laughs) Six months in. Um, So where I come from is that, you know, my personality is I'm an Enneagram nine. And for me, you know, that the, the nutshell summary of that one is peacemaker or peacekeeper, right? My thing is peace and harmony. That's my prime directive. I did not get anxiously caught up in Googling her and figuring out what she did. She told me on date one that she had a podcast. No, I didn't. It was, it was date, date like four or three. No, it was, okay, maybe two or three. We're just going to have to settle in the middle. <laughs> Look at the peacemaker Look, right there. But <laughs> in any case, when I did find out about her podcast, I didn't go crazily Googling her or anything. And I told her up front, I said, I don't want to get to know you through your, your podcast. I want to get to know you through you. And when I did get around to listening to an episode and I listened to like maybe the majority of one episode, my only question was, does she project the same person that she is to me? Mm. And this was months in. So by then I already kind of knew her and the answer was yes. Mm. So that's all I need to know is that she, she acts what she says in her podcast. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm not looking for incongruity 
I'm not looking for those things. I'm looking for what she does, um, how she acts. And authenticity. Does right? she back up authenticity, full yeah. authenticity? And that's something that she's always had. Now, you know, the one thing that I would say kind of made, made me hesitate just a little bit was the difference in energy styles, right? I'm, I'm much more of an introvert. Um, I'm an ambivert. I think everybody's an ambivert to some degree. <laughs> and, and that's just not so much how social you are, but how you rejuvenate, how you replenish your energy, Yeah. right? I replenish my energy in either alone or small groups of like five or less people. She's definitely, she definitely thrives on like big groups, um, big energy. Although, I mean, to some degree, she also needs some quiet time. But, you know, the difference in energy levels, I think, was maybe difficult at first. And I think she kind of outpours that energy into the world through her podcast. Whereas I'm more sitting in, in my office here tinkering with gadgets and, and music stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it didn't intimidate me at all in the end. It, it, it was not, to me, it didn't, it was like, oh, cool, you do a podcast. Um, it wasn't something that made me feel like um, I was a guinea pig or, you know, kind of experiment yeah. for what she's been talking about. Yeah, that's more so, good. you know, what we've developed over the course of these nearly two years is it may be very closely aligned with everything that you hear on Love Intently, or it may be our own thing. It's, you know, we don't compare that. We just let this be what it's going to be. Like so, so Sophie, you, uh, you're on this journey to find out how do people make love last, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What have you learned that has really stuck with you in all those interviews you've done? Oh my gosh. I mean, so much. And I really do feel like the podcast makes me a better partner. Like I probably did the podcast a year in before we started and it, there's so much that I taken away. I've taken away. Um, I think on some of the earlier episodes, a lot of it was on communication, like really going back. Ultimately, no matter what issues you have, if you're willing to communicate it and be genuine and just carve out space for that, it makes all the difference as cliche and obvious as that is, because it's actually really hard to practice, like Mm -hmm. practice saying what's on your mind, making time for that and finding effective ways to have conflict. So I think that's one big thing. Another couple of things that I've heard is um, curiosity and intentionality are two things that keep a relationship fresh. It's never assuming that you fully know a person, but understanding that they're in their own world and on their own journey and it will evolve and the person that you start dating will change naturally within, you know, in a year or two years or five years. And constantly just being willing to be curious about what they're up to, their passions. And I think something you guys say often is make your partner's passion your passion too. And that's something that I think we've done really well and something that I've held really dearly. And then some other episodes or some other conversations that I've had that have really stuck is um, recently I did an episode on the concepts of somatic therapy and how we can utilize the feelings we're experiencing in our body and use that information and wisdom and empower ourselves to stay into the window of tolerance. Because essentially what happens is when people get triggered, if they get outside of their window of tolerance, it takes 20 minutes minimum to get back into that window of tolerance where you're not in the fight or flight mode and Mm. really very little conflicts gets resolved in that mode. 
And so, yeah, that's a great episode to go back into, but that was something that I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And, um, it just gave me a tool to be able to tap into when I am feeling triggered. So you're getting all this advice. You're hearing episode after episode of couples and love and married and all the things. And then you're dating together and trying to figure out kind of your own relationship. And, you know, a lot of this is fresh and new for you two together. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you both would say that for those listening that are just starting out, just dating, just that you would say, these are topics, these are things that you really should start talking about now before you're in a marriage committed this is the deal thing. What are some big kind of things that you two feel listeners would need to start talking about now while they're dating? You guys yeah, are both I, smirking at each other, by the way. You're looking at each well, other like, what are you going to say? Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, I mean, what worked for us won't work for anybody, but obviously, you know, you probably get a lot of couples that immediately will say communication is important. Well, yes, communication is important, but every relationship's communication style is different. Mm -hmm. And communication styles, what you value, what you're trying to communicate also stems from the concepts in a book that you guys may have read or heard of. And that we actually talked about, I think on day two, were uh, the five love languages. Mm -hmm. Um, If I think anybody that's, you know, past a couple of dates is considering who they're dating for a relationship to be exclusive with that person. I think understanding each other's love languages, how they give and receive love can help understand compatibility really early on. So for an example, I discovered through dating her that, you know, I always used to think quality time was number one and quality time is high up on that list. I do need quality time with a small group or one-on-one. But I found that acts of service actually, when Sophie goes out of her way to do something for me, be it a small gesture, just like, I mean, she'll bring me a glass of water in the morning, you know, little things like that add up and make me feel loved. What do you think, Sophie? What are some other big topics you should talk about or things you should go through? I think a big one that has really helped us is conversations around values, like things that you value and also just the type of relationship that you want to be in and what you're after. Um, I think that is something, a big mistake for people is one person is looking for something more casual versus one person's really wanting a committed relationship. That should be one of the first conversations that you have um, just so you get aligned early on and the expectations are clear. Yeah. Secondly, and being, because if you are both in the, in it to be in a long-term relationship, then you can be more intentional and to have these deeper conversations where if it's really obvious that a person, they might not be as willing to have these deeper conversations. And then a big thing that really helped us actually is the frameworks around attachment styles in Enneagram. And then also Myers-Briggs is another one that we're really into and naturally being myself, that is like date two conversations. We went really deep <laughs> in on that. And not that Enneagram will solve all of your problems, but having that basic understanding of like, okay, these are deepest childhood wounds. And it just gives you such a great framework to have a deeper understanding of like what triggers them, what's important, what are your natural tendencies, what do you like in stress or health? Like Enneagram is a great way to be able to have 
language around those things. Um, but back to values, I would say that's probably like top tier conversation to have. And we are massively different on how we live out our values, but because we're aligned and ultimately desire similar things, it allows us to be like, okay, this is your way of pursuing this value. And I can super respect that and support you in it. And it's much easier to compromise, but I've seen whenever people have completely misaligned values and there's no conversation around it, it just ends up being very frustrating because mm -hmm. of the way people live and wanting to do different things or wanting to spend money differently. All of these things mm -hmm. add up when there's a misalignment in values of just ultimately like, what do you desire in this life? What are you pursuing? And I think it's an important one to also touch base on more than once because yeah. it changes. Like mm -hmm. you value different things in different seasons mm -hmm. and that's a hundred percent okay. But just being willing to talk about it. Mm. Hey, Sophie, you mentioned earlier this idea when you decided to start dating, the thing that was really remarkable, this idea of showing up fully as myself, right? Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit more about that because I think many listeners probably struggle with this concept. They mm -hmm. walk into any room and they're trying to be what other people want them to be, right? And I'm curious if some of that for you was also this uh, a cultural thing for you, if that was part of it or, or what led to that moment for you and maybe like what learning did you have to go through or process to get to that point where you could fully be that? Well, in the book by um, Amir Levine, it's called Attachment Styles. He talks about how being secure is a practice. It's not something that you just achieve one time. And so I knew it was something like if I wanted to be a good communicator, if I wanted to be able to fully show up as myself, it would have to happen over time. And I have to be graceful with myself in that. Um, and I think like a very tangible example that sticks out in my mind is after our second, no, after our first date, I went to Colorado to visit a good friend for like a week. And he had texted me maybe like three days in, but we didn't really talk a lot. And normally that early in a relationship, I wouldn't feel comfortable like sending really silly things or like videos or whatever. But me and my friend had gone skiing that day and it was my very first time. And um, we took these really funny videos where it was like the first one where it was like Instagram, like, and where I did it great. And it was just like a 10 second clip of me going down the mountain. Great. And my friend in there is like, Sophie's a penguin. She's doing great. And then the second video is of me literally crashing like into a pile of snow because I, it was my first time skiing and I sent it to him and I was like, Instagram versus reality. But before I sent it, I went back and forth in my brain a few times because I was like, is this too early? Is this weird? Whatever. And I was like, no, how would I treat my best friend? Would I send this to them? And I was like, absolutely. And so I sent it to him, but that was like something for me where it's little moments like that. When you go back and forth of like, how deep do I show up? How emotional or like how authentic do I show up? It's like, how would you show up if this was your very best friend? And in your ideal relationship, how do you show up hmm. and just start showing up as that? That's really yeah. scary, right? Like, cause you're like, how is, how is he going to take me? Right? Like, is, is he going to like this or not? Or all the things that go through your head, right? Yeah. And I think going through the dates that I, all the number of dates, I think for me, it ended up being like, well, if he doesn't find this funny and if he doesn't like texts like this, then it's just not going to work because I'm a pretty goofy, silly person. Um, and I like humor in my life. 
And Mm. I realized that I couldn't be in a relationship sustainably and healthily if I wasn't allowed to be myself. So I just like really pushed myself to ask myself that question of like, how would I show up if this was my best friend? And in my ideal relationship, what do I do here? Mm. That's so funny because sometimes uh, Andre will get text messages and she's in the shower and it's like a friend of hers. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll just text back for her. And I always (laughs) try to be like her. So my, my thing is, I always, you whenever always say, I embody Andre to her best friends, I said. always respond, hey girl, I'll call you back in a minute. And she's like, I would never say that. He right? says it every time. He's like, hey girl. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, that was a little inside that track was on like, me trying to be Andre. That was times. so random. But the truth is she always does that. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Okay, I got another one. So we we talked about advice or like topics to talk about if you're starting out in dating. I've got similar kind of if you're starting out in dating and figuring out if this is your person, what are like red flags? What are, and not just like the obvious, like no obvious ones. I want like, what are some good red flags that you might have seen with your friends or you've experienced yourself or that you're like, I, you know, people don't really talk about this, but this is a good red flag to think about um, that you would say, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't the one. I think a super obvious one for me, but maybe not something that most people look for is unwillingness to grow. So I like that one. Man, if you have a partner who is just unwilling to look at themselves and own up to what they're doing wrong, or even just being willing to grow and having a desire for that, it's really hard to be with somebody like that long-term, especially if you are someone that's growth-oriented and wants to evolve and change and be a better version of yourself. And how do you figure that out? How do you see that in a first date or a second date or something? I mean, how, what would tease that out? I mean, I think just like even gentle conversations about like how they feel about therapy or how they feel about, Hmm. um, and just having conversations of what they've been learning in the last year. I think that's a really, yeah. Right. If they're like, uh, I don't know. Or like, have you read a book in the last year? Yes. That was actually a big one. Oh my gosh. My friends tease me about this a lot, but (laughs) there's like four of them that we're like, Sophie, just go on another date with this guy. And I think this was like maybe number four or something. And I was like, no, I asked him the question of like, what's a book that's impacted his life? And he literally had none, no <laughs> answers. And I was like, I just can't date someone that's not a reader. And they aren't really readers. And that was a question that I definitely asked him. And when they met him, they were like, so Maher, what's a book that's impacted your life? And he was <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um yeah, I think she, I think Sophie bit off a little more than she could chew because I am an avid reader. And <laughs> I now, love it. now maybe, let me now give maybe you I my, try to hold her accountable for right. that. Let me give you my 16 books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to add to what she was saying, though, yeah, a lot of people list in their profile or in their mind, like the, the checklist that everyone thinks is, is going to filter out all the wrong people. A lot of people put educated, right? And <laughs> my, or or they'll even think in their mind, this person needs to be educated. But one thing that I look for is educating. It's definitely an ongoing, continuous thing, right? And that's how you kind of gauge that somebody is interested in growing versus just settling into who they are for the long run and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that came through even in day one, that Sophie had a very creative, um, ambitious kind of mindset where there's so much she wanted to do and accomplish and there wasn't enough time. To me, that was a huge green flag, right? So what's some other red flags that you have? I would say, yeah, I mean, growth. since growth is like a top value for me, um, I would say that anybody who lacks the growth mindset has a, instead has a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest red flag for me. Um, there are some other ones like unwilling to compromise or unwilling to communicate because for me, that style of relationship wouldn't work. I need to have a very open-minded, openly communicative relationship with somebody if I'm mm-hmm. going to take that into serious territory, right? Mm-hmm. Um and something that's interesting that Sophie and I have worked out, even though our personalities are just very different at times, I mean, very different. There are times that I just want to be alone for hours and I can just do that in a blink of an eye. And, you know, she has to kind of struggle to, to provide me that because, you know, that goes against what, what she needs sometimes. But we have worked out a system of like code words, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, different code words, would, it, it's just a simple non-threatening, non-triggering way of communicating what we need. And give us an example. What so are- for fights, it's like, instead of, it might feel like, at least it was for me, like intimidating to be like, I need to talk about something serious. And mm-hmm. so our initial word was pineapple. It's a little spiky on the inside, but when you on get outside, into yeah. it or on the outside, and once you get into it, it's super sweet and great. And yeah. it's like one of our favorite fruits. And then his that I actually came up with like a few months Mm. ago, especially during quarantine, I think this can be much harder to do is when he needs space and there's like different, we've learned that there's different levels of space and what that Mm. means. And so we use planets and the analogy of like NASA of like needing space. (laughs) So he'll be like, Hey, I just really need some NASA this afternoon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'll hang out at the park, whatever. Yeah. And different planets kind of signify different levels of space. So if I say I need some Mars right now, that just means that means we can be in the same room, but I just need my own personal. Oh, space. you are like my specific about your planets and the well, amount yes. of space too. Yeah. Let's be real. Most of the time it's just Mars, but sometimes if I need to go to Jupiter, that means I'm just going to go like into this room or into a separate room and just kind of do my own thing. And then I'll be like, can yeah. we go back to Earth now? <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, Believe it or not, it's one of the best conversations I've yeah. had in a long time. It, it really works because it, in one word, I can say what I need without, without like, so, like, you know, I guess the danger is that if you don't communicate it and you don't, you're not getting what you need. Yeah. And you have no way of telling your partner what you need and your needs are in direct contrast in this, in this particular area, then eventually one person gets like kind of resentful. Yeah, their their tank runs dry and it's like they're running on empty and they don't have their needs met. And so, you know, one person will get resentful or emotional or a little, you know, and we found that the best way to avoid that is obviously to communicate what you need, but in a very simple way. And that's why a one word, little code word. Really and the works thing well. is, it's really hard for twos and nines to communicate needs. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it was just just really hard. Like it feels selfish and whatever. So if we can come up with a fun way to do it, yeah, it makes it so good. That's really good. I like. I feel like. Are we gonna? We have never had a code word. 
Oh, we have had some code oh, words. Oh, we have ones for sex. <laughs> yeah. But we that, have sex code words. Easy now. I wasn't going to say it quite like that. I just put it out there. It's a safe place, apparently. Good Lord. All right, y'all. We're down to our last question. And this is the question we ask every person on our podcast. Do you think it is possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? I think so. I mean, I would hope so. We haven't gotten to the raising a family part yet, but I know that millions of people have done it before us and hopefully millions will do it after us. And so it's just a blessing to have people like you who are having these conversations because I absolutely think it's possible. It just requires intentionality and work and time to make it happen. Yeah. What about you? I absolutely believe it's not only possible that it's, there's a great chance that, you know, everyone can figure it out for themselves if they're willing. The more you maintain and renew that love, the the more you can continue outpouring that energy into the world in positive ways. And that's through raising a family, through pursuing a passion, whatever it may be. And now it's time for the breakdown. What did you learn? Oh, you're going to let me talk now. You just ran <laughs> through the last one. Didn't even give me the three things to share on the front end. I feel like we should switch it up every now and then. Wow. Switch you're giving up. me a hard time by interrupting you. And then you just cut me off. Okay, because I couldn't get my words in. So then I just took my words and ran with it. And then I forgot. I feel like <laughs> this is a presidential debate all of a sudden. Oh, my goodness. Let me speak. I am speaking. All right. Here we go. What did you learn? Oh, oh. I'm letting I, you I talk. Wasn't, wasn't you wanted sh- to talk. Come on. I wasn't sure if you're going to do the breakdown <laughs> on your own. Okay. Oh. Feisty. Feisty. I'm having fun with you. I'm actually not upset in any way, just so you know. Great. Okay. Uh, pineapple. <laughs> NASA. And NASA. Wow. I wasn't ready for that. I love their code words. I was not even ready for that. I want us to have more code words. Easy. It, it got me really excited about code words. Yeah. And it, then the planets in the space. <laughs> I was dying. It, it was so great. Like, what a great way for an introvert. Well, actually, he referred himself as an ambivert. Yes. But still, to have to have words. To, to be communicate. Able- to communicate yeah. more than what it was great. I love it. It was so great. I thought, man, and and it's like every relationship. Like, I think that's really cute that they have a Aww. language within Aww. a language that brings them together. Yeah, can we have that? Aw. <laughs> the words you'd have for me is like leave. <laughs> I need a minute. I'm so like blunt that I probably my words would be exactly what they are. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. <laughs> my word is angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need space, not just like spatial, but like space. Space. Leave. Theirs is a little alone. More, <laughs> a little more playful. It was nice. The pineapple thing was so nice, too. It's like oh, spiky, spiky on, on the outside, outside. sweet on the, sweet on the inside. <laughs> I love okay. It. All right. I love her idea of just her authenticity, showing up fully as herself. It's so hard to do. Oh, my goodness. So many of my single friends, this is so, this is, so hard. On. This is not a single thing. 
This is, I I actually, this is a, this is a human thing. This is hard for all of us. Agreed. I really like, and that's why I was sitting there listening to her going, it is hard to go into rooms of people that are not like you to be yourself. Yes. I think when I was saying it in the single way, I was saying it when you are meeting people for the first time every, you know, every date is like a new meeting. So when you're showing up with somebody new, to me, that's even harder, right? Mm. Like for me with you, eh, like I'm going to be my full true self pretty much. Years later. Yeah. But, and that's because we've had so much time together. But when you're, when you're meeting somebody new, I mean, think about anything, even a business meeting or whatever you're doing, that showing up as your real self and being authentic to that, I think is, is hard, very hard to do. Yeah. I love that she was practicing this though. Like her practice, like 12 dates, one per month and, and, and practicing that. I, I think that's a great, like, I hope, I hope more people try this and do this and learn from that. There was a few words they used that I'm not sure if married people understood. Oh. Uh, coffee meets bagel. <laughs> okay. It's a it's like a dating site. Yeah. If you didn't know. Just not uh, Tinder. Uh, ghosting. Yeah. What is ghosting? When you just, you're out. You don't text. No, yeah. Don't, you don't you start calling. Back. You don't, don't text. It's like. You're just out. You're ghosting. Um, married people don't know these things? They don't. Oh, okay. I don't know. Uh, some people might. What's I another did. one? I do them. Ambivert, honestly. I'm not sure if everybody knew what that was. What's that? And I was struggling to to spell it. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I wasn't sure if it was A M B E R or A M B I. Oh my. Anyway. That's not good. Um yeah, I think what it what it says is like there's the concept is that there's introvert and extrovert in inside every, of everyone. Yeah. yeah. Or in those people, yeah. Yeah. Um anyways, and I you know, I loved I really loved listening to Maher uh, share about the idea of a green flag. We asked about red flags. Mm. And he responded with like, here, let, let me tell you what is a green flag. And both of them really referred strongly to a growth mindset in all of life, which I think is beautiful. Like a growth mindset says that we all can grow mm-hmm. and that there's new things and new ways for all of us to be improving our lives. And learning. Yeah. And that is, and I love that that's a green plaque because it's attractive. Mm, yeah. I think that's a really attractive. I, I totally agree with these two that when you're learning and growing, you become attractive to other people. Well, listen, here's one thing that I know for certain. I'm going to close this out in this conversation since you led us into the conversation before. Okay. And I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to another podcast. <laughs> of hers on Sophie's podcast. So it's yeah. an incredible podcast that she hosts called Love Intently. Look it up on iTunes, podcasts, wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, she does a great job. She's a great interviewer. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll learn. She if you've enjoyed our podcast. We were on it and she asked us some hard questions. She that did. Was- if you enjoy our podcast, I guarantee you'll enjoy hers also. So y'all... Y'all, happy fall, y'all. Y'all, happy fall. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Follow us on Instagram, at Love or Work. Get our new book on Amazon or wherever you buy books. And consider checking out our new video series called Make Love Work. We'll talk to you soon. That's another episode of 
love, or work. was recorded by our favorite, Matt Owen, for Soul Graffiti Productions. <laughs>